said, I will build my church and the very gates of Hades or hell will not prevail against it. Then he went to the cross and he died for our sins and he was buried and rose again on the third day. His disciples saw him and were persuaded that Jesus had in fact risen from the dead. And he said to them, all authority is given to me in heaven and on earth. Now go and make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then he told them to tarry or to wait in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father falls upon them. And they waited in Jerusalem after Jesus had risen back to be with the Father and is now at the right hand of the Father on high. The disciples were gathered, they were praying, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And they proclaimed boldly the message that Jesus was risen from the dead. Jesus said, I will build my church. And as you read in the book of Acts, we discover that that 120 became 3,000, became 5,000, became a multitude. And then the Lord scattered them out of Jerusalem and they began to enter Judea and they went even further into Samaria. And then through the, the book of Acts, as we read of the apostle Paul in particular, Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas and John Mark and, and the others as they went out and shared the good news, they spread it to every corner of the Roman Empire at that time. And even beyond, as we understand, Philip, we understand, may have gone out to, uh, to India and others well beyond, down into, down into uh, Africa. Early in the book of Acts, we read about uh, one, an Ethiopian, a servant of Candace. And he came and, and he, was in, he encountered the gospel of Jesus and on his way back home, encountered Philip who explained it all to him and he went on back home and he shared the gospel. Everywhere these new believers in Jesus went, they shared this good news and the church of Christ grew and grew and grew. You have in your Bibles a collection of what we call the books of the Old Testament which were written before the coming of Jesus. The last of those books was written about 400 years before Jesus was incarnate. The New Testament began to be written by those who followed Jesus and listened to him, who were his disciples, who were eyewitnesses of the resurrection. And they began to write down their books and, 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 and their stories so that others could, could hear the story. And as they wrote them down, they were collected in different locations called churches or assemblies where believers were gathering. They wanted to hear everything they could about what Jesus had said and done. 
If you were alive in the days just of that book of Acts, when these things were, were still fresh, you would have received a letter from perhaps Paul or, or maybe one of the other apostles would have come and shared his testimony and he said, I've written these things down. My name is Mark and I've written these things down and, and Peter has shared with me all about it. And he's checked what I've said and here's my story and about Jesus. And that has become the gospel of Mark. And then there was Luke. Luke, who was a, a traveling companion of the Apostle Paul and witnessed everything that was going on and wrote it down as he shared the testimony in two parts. The first part was in the, what we call the Gospel of Luke and the second part is in what we call the Book of Acts. And there was Matthew, very Jewish in nature. And he wrote down in a way that really was understood by the Jewish believers. And they realized, yes, Jesus is our Messiah. He is the promised one. And then John, the last of the apostles to die, he wrote down from a different perspective. And he begins in very pictorial language. And he says, in the beginning was the word, Jesus. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And he came to his own, and his own received him not. But to as many as received him, he gave the right to become children of God. And as he goes on through that whole gospel, he tells us of the wonderful things that Jesus did. And he picked out seven particular miracles and shows how they, they reflect the character of Jesus and show the divinity of Jesus. And at the end of his gospel, it says, and many other things Jesus did, but these I have written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of the living God. If you've never read through the gospels, start with the gospel of Mark. Read it through. Then move on to the Gospel of John and, and, and then read Luke's Gospel and, and Matthew's Gospel and then move into the book of Acts. Discover for yourself how Jesus fulfilled these words, I will build my church. And people throughout the centuries have continued to share this same message. And you have come to faith because someone was faithful in sharing it with you. Jesus said, I will build my church. And we're asking the question, well, what really is this thing we're calling church? What does it look like and what does it mean? And as we've gone through it, we've seen that it really means the church is not a building, it is a people. The church is people, people that God has chosen. You are a chosen people. The Father has chosen you. And he has opened your heart to believe. And he says you are also a royal priesthood. You are a royal priesthood because as you come to faith in Jesus, you become part of the kingdom of God. And you serve a living God. 
So you are a royal priesthood as you offer up prayers of thanksgiving, as you intercede for one another. You are a holy nation because you have been set apart for God as a people of God. You are God's special possession. If you didn't feel special when you came here this morning, you should leave here knowing that you are special because you have been chosen of God. And if you don't know God yet, if you've never given your heart and said, Lord, I believe, you can do that this morning and know that you are part of this family. You are here today because God has so worked in your life that he has brought you here. You may have come kicking and screaming. <laughs> but you are here because God wanted you to hear this message. Because God loves you and he wants you as part of his family. Why has God done all of this? So that you and I may declare the praises of him who has called us out of darkness out of the confusion, out of the sin, out of the rebellion that has dominated our lives, out of the addictions, out of all of the compulsions that have driven us all of our lives. He has called us out of these things so that we might worship the living God. He's called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. So that's what church is. People that God has been gathering to gather around himself as a hen would gather her chicks so that he might lead you to the Father. We've been talking about what is church and we see the Greek word ekklesia, which simply means assembly. And we know that the church was born on the day that the Holy Spirit came uh, in fulfillment of the promise of the Father. And we know that you become members of that church when you put your faith in Jesus. And you become a member of a local church, a local gathering of believers when you begin to associate with them and show up and worship and participate. The Bible uses a term koinonia, another Greek term. And this word koinonia simply means fellowship or participation or a sharing in. And those who are members of a local assembly are part of that koinonia, part of that sharing in all that is taking place in the service and the worship of God as a special people of God. And the scriptures say, let us, let us. You notice how it's in the plural? It's because we are a people. We're not just an individual. It doesn't say, let me. But it says, let us. It's something that we do collectively. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm. And faith in Christ is something that we affirm. We state boldly. It is a position we have stand. I have taken my stand on the gospel. I believe it. I act upon it. 
It's not just something out there that we know about and it's one of those vague religions that we hold on to. But it takes hold of us in our hearts and in our minds. We affirm it. God can be trusted to keep his promise. God has made a commitment to us and we have made a commitment to God. You know, we become what we are committed to. If you are committed to love, you become more. If you are committed to care, you become more. I'll let you fill in the blank as to what you are doing. What are you committed to? If I'm committed to self, I become more selfish. God is calling us as a body to be committed to Christ, to focus on him. As a member of a local church, we are there by association, and the scriptures say, let us, let's read this together, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but let us encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. And as we read this together, I'm seeing that part of the work of this body has also been to enable and equip some of its members to help build the church by fixing things up here in this sanctuary. I'm, I'm so pleased that I'm reading on a little screen in the back here that has been so kindly set up uh, by Howard and Peter as they've been working and all of that's been enabled by your gifts and you'll see around and it's beginning to grow this sound uh, cloth that's going up to help improve the quality of sound. I, I just had to mention that because it's so nice to be able to actually read this for the first time instead of struggling. But uh, thank you. We need to encourage one another. When you see someone serving the Lord, bless them, encourage them, let them know. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to serve God, but it's also a wonderful thing to be appreciated. There was a time in the church when people say, oh, you should never tell anyone that they're doing a good thing. It'll go to their heads. <laughs> Actually, what happened was it began to go to their feet and they left. <laughs> if you invest your whole life in serving God and all you get are complaints, it can be very discouraging. We are called not to do that, but to encourage and to build each other up. So as a member of the local church, we express this participation, this sharing. We express it in our actions. And Jesus states it like this. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. What a way to get the word out. What a way to get the word out. Demonstrating love for one another. 
So who is a church member? Looking back into the days of the early church, it's written in one of the writings uh, from one of the church fathers, I believe, it says that the only basis for becoming a member of the church was the bold confession that Jesus is Lord. And in one of the inscriptions from the first century, uh, we have about a baptism. The candidate was pictured laying aside their old clothes as a symbol of putting off their old nature. Then they were immersed as a sign of their belief, their confession that Jesus is Lord by their belief in his death, burial, and resurrection. And afterwards, they were wrapped in a white garment as a reminder of the forgiveness of sins. And then they were received into the body of believers as one of their own. That's how it was being done in the early church. They became associated with the body of believers in that bold confession and in that public confession of baptism. So who is a church member? Well, what is a church member? That term is used so often that it becomes very confusing. It sounds like you become a member of the YMCA or YWCA, or, or you've joined a club, or have I just joined Kiwanis here or what? What, what are you people, what, what am I joining if I join the church? I hope you understand that you are added to the church by faith, your faith in Christ. Your participation in the church as a member of the church is a reflection of your commitment to him. Even as the body is one and yet has many members, all of the members of the body, though they are many, are one body. So also is Christ, his church. And that's the sense of it. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. We have this sense of being a member. And it's interesting as I go through the scriptures that I see there are many ways that this thing called the church is described. And as I look at all the different descriptions, it tells me a little bit more about what it means to me to be a member of this thing called the church. But you have come to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. That's in the NIV. The uh, New Living uses the, the more literal translation and says you have come to the assembly or the gathering of God's people, of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. So as part of the church of God, you're being told that your name has been written in the presence of God as one who loves God. That's a great way to start. You're having a bad week. You're having a bad day. You've been fighting the flu. Your back aches. The kids are complaining. The dog bit you. Remember, your name has been written in heaven. And that can change the perspective on everything. 
you are part of an assembly of people whose names have been written in heaven. Well, what am I a member of? Well, it says that God put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head. Who's the head of the church? Christ. He has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church and the church is his body it is made full and complete by Christ and fills all things everywhere with himself so we are compared to a body and as you go on and as you read in the book of Corinthians chapters 13 14 and 15 and in Romans uh, the book of Romans and in the book of Peter you, you read various uh, gifts that God has given but he speaks of each one as being a member some as being eyes some as being ears some as a mouth other parts of the body and each one contributes to the whole as we think of the human body every part has a purpose and all works together for the total benefit of the body and as a result every part benefits when I was a young man, there was one part of my body that began to fight back, and that was my left arm. And when I was about 13 years of age, there began to be this lump form in my left arm. And as it formed, it kept growing and growing and growing. And I had to go to the doctor, and the doctors had a look at it. And I saw the doctor in the morning, and by night, I was in hospital. And I found out afterwards they were getting ready to take the whole arm off. They believed it was cancer. And so you may or may not have noticed that I've got a scar all the way up this arm. They opened up the arm and just did a quick check to see what was going on. They removed all those muscles that were involved and a tumor that was there. Now the difficulty of this tumor was that these were cells in my body that had invaded a muscle and took over several muscles and their sole purpose was to feed themselves. They kept taking from the body to feed themselves and were causing great injury. And they had to take them out. And after they took them out, well, my left hand, I could just barely move these fingers because now the muscles were gone. But God has made the body in such a way that there are other muscles that begin to take over. And as those muscles began to take over, unlike the muscles that had been removed and the tumor that had been removed that had become self-interested and feeding itself and destroying my body, these muscles began to contribute to the body so that all of a sudden I could then begin to move these fingers again. And now this hand is as strong as the other one. Sometimes... Sometimes, if we begin to say, I'm in this church, and what is the church doing for me? We become like those cancerous cells that want to feed themselves and take from the body and give nothing back. 
Our attitude must always be like members of the body. How am I helping to build the rest of the body up? What do I contribute to the body? And as we do that, we ourselves are fed and encouraged and built up. So the church is like a body. It's an assembly. It's a body. And it's also like a bride. Interesting picture. The picture of the bride is let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb and his bride has prepared herself. She has been given the finest of pure white linen to wear for the fine linen represents the good deeds of God's holy people. As a bride prepares for that, that time when she goes to be with the one who is going to be her husband. She's prepared herself. She's looking forward to that day. The church is supposed to be pictured as a bride who is looking forward to the day that she comes and is rejoined to her husband, the Lord. So it speaks of our looking forward, our longing, our good deeds. It's also described as citizens. We are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. So now you Gentiles, this is speaking to all those who were not part of the community of Israel. Now this is the rest of the world. And I would suggest us, unless you have uh, an Israelite heritage, that would be us. We are the Gentiles. God has included all of us and we are now citizens along with God's holy people. All that God calls holy. So you're a citizen, a citizen of this kingdom. What am I a member of? Well, we're also described as a house built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. Our faith is built upon, as I began, the testimony, the eyewitness evidence written down in the scriptures, the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. We're described as a house where God lives by his spirit. But more so, we're also described as a temple, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. If you go to Europe, you'll see beautiful cathedrals where people want to go and, and sense the presence of God. But that misses the point. We don't have to go to a temple where we can meet with God because God has come to meet with us. It was he who came down. It was he who sent his Holy Spirit. It is he who now indwells you and builds you up as a place where God is worshipped in your hearts and in us collectively as we serve him and honor him. What an amazing picture. A temple as a dwelling. God has longed to dwell with his people. Through him, you Gentiles are also being made part of this dwelling where God lives by his spirit. This is awesome. We can read these words and just keep going like reading a billboard as you're driving down the highway and it's there one second and gone the next. Or you can think on these things and drink deeply and allow it to sink into your heart and fill you with awe and worship. 
And that is really the intent, is that our lives be so in awe of God that we are drawn to worship him and desire to serve him, not because we think we're going to earn his approval, but because we want to serve him out of gratitude and love. What am I a member of? <laughs> a flock, a bunch of sheep. But we are sheep with a shepherd. And Christ Jesus is the chief shepherd. He appoints individuals like myself to come as pastors or shepherds to help along the journey. But Christ is the chief shepherd. And we're, as pastors, we are being advised and, and counseled, keep watch over yourselves and all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the assembly of God, which he bought with his own blood. So it describes this relationship that we have together. What am I a member of? Well, perhaps the most wonderful is this description that we are a family. We used to sing very often, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God. We are brothers and sisters in the faith. We are a family. You are members of God's family. And if you are a Christian and you don't, or you aren't part of a, a local assembly of believers, then you are an orphan. A Christian without a family is an orphan. So what are you a member of? Whether you describe it as an assembly, a bride, citizens, flock, dwelling, temple, body or house or family, you are part 